स्मार्ट यू आर लिसनिंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन हेलो एंड वेलकम यू लिसनिंग टू द स्केच आई एम योर होस्ट श्रुतिजित आई एम अ डेली बेस्ड जर्नलिस्ट एंड द एडिटर इन चीफ ऑफ मिंट इंडिया इज वन ऑफ द वर्ल्ड ग्रेट कंज्यूमर मार्केट्स its size is estimated to be about 700 to 800 billion dollars depending on whose estimates you believe but it's more than just about the size the opportunity to potentially reach such a large consumer base is alluring to the makers of every consumer product and also the retail trade which are the channels through which these products reach the end consumer Retail in India is mostly carried out by the informal retail sector the small corner shop that in north india are referred to as kirana stores in the last couple of decades larger supermarkets or modern retail stores have made a substantial entrance e-commerce has become ubiquitous too this sector is fascinating because in few other businesses do you need to understand consumer preferences and behavior more closely than retail in a diverse country like india this means numerous decisions to be made in packaging pricing display marketing and every aspect of getting a consumer to part with their money my guest today is a business leader who has spent 3 decades in the retail and fmcg industries in india and overseas arvind medhiratta is the chairman and ceo of metro cash and carry the indian outpost of the german wholesaling giant Previously he has worked in senior executive roles at Walmart, Yum Brands, Whirlpool and Procter and Gamble. I hope to hear from him today the inner workings of India's retail and wholesale trade, how the promise of India's consumer story is panning out, the policies that could enable the sector's growth in India and about the future of Metro's India business. Arvind thank you for joining us today and welcome to the sketch. Thank you SK it's a pleasure to be here and talk to you today. Lovely. Before we talk about India's retail sector first let's talk about your company because it's been in the news so much there has been a lot of excitement among those of us who watch this sector and the news of course is that Metro AG wants to exit India and therefore it's India business which you lead and you've successfully led it over many years now and have grown it to a substantial size is up for sale. and indeed that reliance retail is acquiring it what can you tell us about this transaction i will say that it's premature for me to speculate about what's going on mm-hmm. but uh, it's not right to call it a sale we have been looking at scaling up our operations in india mm-hmm. currently the size of the business is about 1 billion dollars uh, we are a profitable entity we have 31 stores across 21 cities in the country and we believe that's grossly inadequate given the potential in the indian market mm-hmm. so for the last year or so maybe even more than that we have been in discussions with our parent company for significant investments to scale up the business given that we have reached a critical mass and we have been profitable now for almost 4 years so discussions are on also on with prospective partners and uh, all options are on the table to sell minority majority or even 100% based on the valuation okay So, so that's where it is right now nothing right. has been finalized right. discussions are still ongoing right so when you say we you're making an interesting distinction there so normally when the representative of a company says we they typically mean 
the interest of the shareholders or the board or you know the folks who control the company or who own the company here it seems to me that when you say we you mean the management of the india business i will say the india board has been in discussion with the global board right for quite some time okay. regarding our future plans for the indian market okay we have put together proposals for investments needed to scale up this business and investments are needed to increase the footprint in terms of physical stores sure investments are needed to scale up the e-commerce business which is now a significant chunk of our revenues investments are needed in the supply chain investments are needed in technology as well as people so you know we are talking about investments across the board and uh, you know we have put together various scenarios you know basis the investment how much the business can scale up and we believe the investments if the investments come in this business could become 10 times bigger in next 5 or 6 years but your parent company is not willing to put in that money i don't think it's the right way to put it i will say that they're looking at bringing in that money looking at various sources available and but as you said that that could include a choice to say that hey you know uh, we will exit but we are happy for somebody else to invest and and take this business forward yeah i will say that yeah so we believe that you know indian market is too big right right and right now we need the investments to scale up right to make sure that we continue to stay relevant and competitive in the market right arvind uh, tell me about this journey of metro uh, that you've had now for what 7 years 7 years almost right right um, tell me what has it been like um, how did you start what was the intention where have we got to so i will say it's been a very fascinating journey mm-hmm. so when i joined the biggest challenge was to make the business profitable we set up the india business in 2003 i joined in january 2016 and the first thing was you know what do we do with the business so we uh, you know we had a we had lot of sessions to figure out what the strategy should be for this business actually sorry i should interrupt you there because i realized that a lot of our listeners might not know they might know about metro as a retailer but i think the precise nature of the cash and carry business maybe you should talk about it a little bit so what is it that metro does okay as per the indian foreign direct investment rules mm-hmm. foreign companies can do 100% b2b you can sell to other businesses, businesses yes but fdi is not allowed in retail which is selling directly to the end customer what is called as multi brand multi brand retail right so our focus has been right from the very beginning on three business customer segments the first segment is a trader anybody buying goods for the purpose of resale could right. be a retailer could be a wholesaler could be a semi wholesaler uh-huh. the second segment is called horeca hotels restaurants and caterers uh-huh. you can also call them food service operators right and the third segment is what we call anybody who is a service provider with gst registration a company or an office uh-huh. or an institution right for example there are manufacturing units there are offices which require goods for purpose of consumption to run their business effectively so under the indian fdi policy a foreign company like a metro can either sell goods to a business entity for purpose of resale or consumption in the business so that's the business we have been engaged in so through the resellers you know we cater to about 1 million resellers directly and through them we cater to about 30 million households in the country in the cities where we operate mm. and through horeca i think is difficult to estimate the number of end customers that we reach right, right. so i will say we have about 3 million plus registered businesses who are shopping at metro on a regular basis nice nice in the cities where we operate arvind i i forget what's the latest so now in multi brand retail uh, what is the fdi threshold you are permitted to own up to 25% or no 
the majority share holding has to be with an indian company okay so you up to 49% an overseas entity yeah. can own yeah right right but right. metro globally i want to clarify has always been focused on the wholesale, wholesale part right, of the business right, even globally right. even right. in markets like uh, you know germany the home country right or countries in western europe or eastern europe where retail is allowed our focus is on wholesale wholesale unlike say a walmart which is yes. fundamentally retailable retail in india metro is one of the largest b2b players in the whole world well, globally right right in right. india you know when we joined we were having equal focus on three segments mm-hmm. so we were equally focusing on like focus on trader focus on horeca and focus on seo mm-hmm. so one of the things which i did when i joined was to shift the focus towards the trader segment and that to the food and grocery traders not uh traders or resellers as we call them in our parlance dealing in apparel or shoes etc we said we will focus on the food and grocery mom and pop shops uh-huh. that you referred to as kiranas kiranas because the opportunity in the kirana segment is huge there are about 12 million kiranas in this country uh-huh. and many of the large fmcg companies struggle to reach them directly at best they might reach maybe 3 or 4 million and rest are covered through the traditional wholesale markets right The other thing is if you look at the construct of the Indian food and grocery market you correctly said it's about 700 to 800 million dollars billion billion, billion dollars. sorry billion dollars and if i look at even now the breakup of this 800 billion dollars 88% is traditional trade or kiranas wow the size of modern trade is about 7-8% and e-commerce despite all the investments and all the hype and hoopla yeah. is about 3 and 1/2% of food and grocery market in india No so overall if we take retail industry yes. it would be about 800 billion yeah i will say overall retail may be even closer to a trillion ah food and grocery will be probably 75 of of that but if you don't make that segmentation if you take overall retail right uh what percentage would be modern trade and what percentage would be e-commerce see i i have more authentic data and confirmed data for food and, food grocery, and grocery where we know that 88% or 87% is traditional trade okay. modern trade is 78% and e-commerce is about 3 4% if you look at uh, the share of what we call general merchandise right non food i will say the share if i have to take a guess the share of e-commerce will be in double digits Mm-hmm. because if you see where the e-commerce uh, companies have really done well right it's in the consumer electronics space yes, yes. it's in the mobile handset space that's right and it's also somewhere in the apparel and the apparel, fashion, fashion area right now beauty correct know, yeah cosmetics and all so that so if you look at that part of the business i will uh, say that their share will be double digits right but in food and grocery it's still dominated by the mom and pop kirana stores yeah because i don't i think behaviorally and just thinking for myself and what i see around when you order food delivery online but that's different from you know grocery or food food uh, i will say that you know because there are so many of these kirana stores right that just a phone call away so a lot yeah. of people are still used to ordering on the phone oh, from a kirana or sending yes. their sending someone in in the household to Correct. get stuff from a kirana yeah. and as far as the last mile delivery cost is concerned last mile delivery connectivity is concerned nobody can beat the kirana beat the kirana yeah because they can deliver goods to you in 15 minutes 30 yeah. minutes they don't have any requirement of minimum order size Correct. you can just place an order for a you know loaf of bread and they will deliver it to you yeah. they when ask for a packet of milk they will deliver it to you yeah. if you're not happy with the product they, they will even take it, take it back and get it replaced 
and the assortment is also a big big very factor, relevant right? and yeah. the assortment is very relevant to the yeah. neighborhood in which they operate yeah. Yeah. so yeah. each kirana probably in our estimate caters to 300 400 households and they have the local regional assortment which is needed for that right. community right kiranas are masters of the local assortment Absolutely. they're very good in terms of last mile delivery yeah. they built a relationship with the households in the neighborhood over the last so many years they have been in this business for generations and i will say they are the champions of what we call low cost management or low cost operations this is where a lot of the big players are struggling mm. because the cost of servicing the order yeah in the case of grocery yeah is still very high they're losing money on every order that they deliver in food and grocery yeah, space yeah. i remember this is so interesting because i remember say about 10 or 12 years ago the conversation you know especially with a lot of these big box stores coming to india um there was this big scare that oh you know the retailers are going to lose out in a big way like the moment pop stores will die out and so on and all of those worries are of course valid and we see that uh, you know active in the policy discourse even today uh, but you know what you're saying like you know the it is true that kirana is a is a humble but formidable machine they have been very very agile and right. adaptable yes in terms of adoption of new technology absolutely so they are no longer accepting payments only in cash Correct. like it used to be 2 3 yeah. years ago yeah they've adopted all forms of digital payments the wallets the other thing is many of them have now created their own apps yes. so their customers can see online the assortment that they carry yeah they are very good in terms of delivery yeah they've started taking orders on whatsapp right even as far as procurement of products which they yes. sell is concerned yes uh they were very re- reluctant to adopt technology till 3 4 years ago yeah but now every kirana store owner in this country will have three or four apps of all the different players including metro okay. they will look at the prices that we have versus our competition they will also look at the distributor selling price look at the wholesale price and basis that they will make a very informed choice yeah. on where to place the order and again it's like unlike b2c in the case of kiranas if you are cheaper on pricing let's say on 5 sku's out of 10 that they want to buy they'll only buy those 5 sku's from you for the other 5 they'll go to the cheapest source cheapest source it's unlike a housewife who's yeah. going to a retail store and if she trusts that brand yeah. she'll shop everything right. which is available which right. she needs right she'll not go to 10 different stores to different pick and choose yeah. the stuff that she needs yeah. for her uh, you know basic monthly food and grocery one of the biggest advantages of shopping with a metro right is that we are a one stop shop right for example if we look at a kirana mm-hmm. you know they have two three big major pain points mm-hmm. the first pain point is that right now in the current or before you know we came into existence they were shopping or they were buying from 100 different players from all the different fmcg companies separately they had to deal with hul they had to deal with nestle coke pepsi more than 50% of their sales come from commodities right oil rice sugar spices dry right. fruits nuts yeah they were buying that from the wholesale market or from the mills directly mm-hmm. so again if you look at the varieties of rice and the varieties of dal and pulses that they stock in spices they were dealing with 100 plus suppliers the advantage of shopping with metro is that you get everything under one roof then on their behalf we make sure that we do a very rigorous price benchmarking with all our competitors it could be traditional wholesaler it could be the distributors it could be our you know other eb2b players and we make sure on the key kvis we refer to them as kvis which is a key value item our prices are lower than competitors for example there are certain sku's without which they cannot survive 
I see. These are typically the top sellers from the big FMCG companies. I see. So we talked about 12 million Kirana stores. Yeah. So some of these KVIs will be available directly and indirectly through traditional wholesale in probably 80% of the Kirana stores in the country, like oh. a Maggi 5 rupee pack right. or 10 rupee pack or right. shampoo 1 rupee or 2 rupee packs of leading right. brands. Right. So we make sure we do thorough price benchmarking on the KVIs, right? Our prices are lower. Yeah. We also make sure that, uh, you know, the or on time in full, which is, you know, once they place an order, they want the order to be delivered within 24 hours. Mm. We have upped the game on that mm-hmm. because the fill rates from a lot of the large FMCG companies historically have been 65, 70%. Mm. We offer almost 95% plus fill rates. All our stores are like double up as warehouses. I see. So everything above six feet is storage area. And these are like buildings which are sometimes 20 feet high. So we have all the stocks that they need. Right. We can deliver. We deliver from the stores. Mm. So we can deliver within 24 hours. That's also a big differentiator. So one is price. Second is availability. Mm. Third, of course, is one-stop shop. Mm -hmm. Fourth is we have done something which is very unique, which nobody else is doing. Mm -hmm. It is in line with our purpose of being the champion for small independent businesses, Mm -hmm. in this case, Kiranas. So we are saying we are there to make you successful. Your success. So if you're a Kirana shop owner, Mm -hmm. we tell them that your success is our mission is our business. Mm-hmm. So what do I mean by that? So not only do we help them source the articles that they need, mm-hmm. you know, at the lowest price and making sure it's available and delivered on time, we also help them with demand creation. We help them grow their top line. We help them grow their profits. How do you do that? So we have a program called Smart Kirana Program. Mm-hmm. Right now, we have done this with about 3,500 stores. Mm-hmm. So under the Smart Kirana Program, we basically offer them advisory services on assortment. So we say, okay, let's say you are a Kirana in uh, Whitefield. Uh-huh. We will tell them that the customers in your neighborhood are consuming a lot of organics. And suppose we find organics are missing, organic staples. Uh-huh. We will tell them to start assorting organic products. Okay. Similarly, you know, one of the biggest, fastest growing categories in the recent past has been frozen. So we will tell them you need to keep a freezer. We will make this freezer available to you for free. Really? If you buy a certain minimum quantity of Over freezer. the year. Over every month. Uh-huh. And after 12 months, the freezer is yours. You yes. don't have to pay a single penny. I see. So we work with suppliers to offer them freezers. Mm-hmm. In return, they start stocking different frozen articles, both mm-hmm. vegetarian and non-vegetarian stuff. Mm. So it's not just ice creams in summer. Right. We're seeing a big demand for frozen vegetables, not just frozen peas, but frozen vegetables. I see. Big demand for frozen uh, you know, snacks. Vegetarian as well as Uh non-vegetarian. So this is a new category that they, you know, stock and it leads to incremental sales. Then we also teach them the science of retail. So retail is both science and an art. Yes. The science of retail is how do you do the store layout? Yeah. How do you do the different departmental adjacencies? Right. So next to shampoo, what should you keep? Right. To make sure the sales go up. Right. Every time a customer comes to your store. Yeah. Right. So we teach them the science of layout, the science of uh, departmental adjacencies mm-hmm. or planograms, as we call it in our parlance. Mm-hmm. We also, you know, have been telling them that the, the days of selling products at MRP are over. So we will help you buy products cheaper so that you can sell below MRP and compete with the modern retailers and the e-commerce companies. But is that legal? Absolutely, you know, oh, it's maximum, maximum retail, retail price. price. So right. you're right. free to sell at a price lower than that. In the past, people used to think that if I go to a Kirana, I have to pay the MRP. Oh. All the Kiranas which are buying from us, because they're buying it cheaper than the traditional sources, they're also able to 
sell it cheaper, lower than MRP. Sometimes five percent, right. sometimes even twenty percent. This is very bad news for uh, FMCG companies, I would imagine. The pressure yeah. on their margins will become. I will say it's it's a win-win for everybody because through this we can increase the sale of non-KVIs. So ah. so for you know if you tell a Kirana you do a proper planogram etc. Right. You can increase the sale of non-KVIs, which are more profitable for even the FMCG companies. Right. And now we see a lot of companies uh, like Udan and so on mm-hmm. uh, getting into the credit business where like you are offering a freezer, they'll say, hey, you upgrade the store, we'll upfront you some credit. And as long as you keep buying from us over a period of time, we'll do. Mm-hmm. So how do those dynamics work? So I, I will say we also offer credit. Okay. We have partnerships with companies mm-hmm. which offer credit to a Kirana and also credit to Kirana's customers. Oh. So, a lot of times you must have heard that Kiranas offer a monthly credit to their regular customers. Yes, yes. So, the cost of financing that is from their pocket. Right. We have made life simple for them saying that oh, if you give us the database of your customers, we can also start offering them credit. And we have partners who can offer credit very quickly in a jiffy, unlike banks, which require a lot of documentation. Yeah. Right. So, that's another thing that we provide. I must also say that currently in the B2B industry, we probably have the best most favorable terms of trade given our supplier relationships right and the joint business planning that we do with all our top suppliers yeah so we are able to offer prices which are pretty competitive right and it's not just only price as i said we are also focused on generating demand for them right by helping them with assortment store remodeling right now typically most of the kirana stores in india tend to be closed format stores right so customers stand outside there is a desk the customers can enter the shop we have been telling these kirana stores to open up the format mm. so customers can walk in they can browse through the different sections mm-hmm. and that leads to increase in sales really yeah we call it the remodeling program uh-huh. and we have done it with now more than 500 stores and the payback is less than 6 months so you talked about where the investment comes from right so we have we initially put seed capital into this to prove the concept uh-huh. now that we have proof of concept there are other Kirana shop owners who want to join the bandwagon so they make an investment anywhere between 1 or 2 lakhs and the incremental sales and the incremental profits on those sales you know pays back this investment in less than 6 months but typically i think uh, you know uh, the kind of kirana store we are talking about is small usually manned by one person who is at the counter i think part of the reason they don't want people walking in is the fear that uh, there will be theft and pilferage and and that they will have to keep watching right as opposed to how do you overcome that That's with cameras the question so we have you know where we have done the remodeling uh-huh. uh, we have done it typically with stores which are 250 square foot and above in size okay and you also help them install cctvs in fact uh, we also tell them that if they put additional labor and offer better customer service it will pay back right so we have enough proof of concept where people who went for this uh, remodeling program under the smart kirana you know banner their sales went up by 50 60% wow and the margins also improved significantly because they started selling what we call a much richer much more profitable product mix so the payback was 6 uh, months to 9 months and but even if you have a cctv like who's going to keep looking at CCTV? so the owner is monitoring that you know and also they make sure that the expensive articles are right next to the checkout checkout so th- there are those tricks that you right. teach them because we we see that in our stores all the time and is there a lot of shoplifting in india uh, you know not in a kirana store not in a kirana store in Why fact uh, you know in some 
it depends also upon the neighborhood right so when we had done this program maybe out of 500 stores that we did this with one or two complained that after they made the store open format the incident of uh, the incidents of theft went up That so is. they again closed it really but that is only for you know less than 1% of the kirana shops right 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 and those were in neighborhoods where you know the theft and pilferage was quite high as it is quite high right so interesting tell me all these psychological hacks you guys deploy to make us buy more uh, you know one thing i've seen is that if you stack a lot of products together like you know one colgate toothpaste but you put a whole lot of them what is the psychology like do consumers feel like buying more if the if a lot of it is displayed so i also worked with walmart for about 9 years and right. one of the lessons they had or you know this is from mr sam walton the founder of walmart uh-huh. so he would say stack it high let it fly so if you have impactful displays right. the product automatically moves off the shelves right. the other thing is you know in metro we have a program called buy more pay less uh-huh. so we have slap pricing which is not there typically in the retail stores right So let's say MRP of an article is hundred. Right. So if you buy a single unit, if the market price is ninety two, we'll sell at ninety. Right. But if you buy six units, ninety will drop to maybe eighty five. Right. You buy twelve or you buy a case pack, the selling price could even drop to eighty. So this buy three get one free is basically the same, or is it not? It's no, it's like you know you don't say it's free, but if you buy more, you pay less. Pay less. Which is the basic philosophy of wholesale. because a lot of customers who say if i'm buying 12 units what's the advantage of buying 12 versus somebody buying 3 mm. so we mm. say fine we'll give you a better price mm. Mm. and that's the basic philosophy of wholesale which we do very well mm-hmm. compared mm-hmm. to our competitors and we do it very transparently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's the same pricing formula for every customer so it's somebody is buying one unit at 90 and you know we're selling 12 at 80 it is this option is available to every customers because there is a price sign Mm. below every article explaining the slab pricing mm. Mm. and it works very well so that okay. is one way to That's increase the you know basket value so stack it high let, um, it let it fly and then you have buy more pay less yeah. what else the other thing is you know you need to make sure your store is relevant for the season that you are in okay so we have a seasonal area in every store i see and you you know keep products in that section which are relevant for that season so right now we are in the winter season approaching winter right now winter for retail probably will arrive in december for us it arrived in uh, november because we have to sell to resellers who will then sell we'll to the to end stock. customers so we will make sure that we bring in the merchandise early uh-huh. and we have very attractive deals for the relevant seasonal merchandise okay so during diwali you know we will start selling in september the other thing is uh, you know in b2b relationships matter a lot so we have a large sales team almost 800 people in our sales organization there are feet on the street so not only do we have a store not only do we have in have an app but we also have feet on the street yeah. who build relationships with these kirana store owners or hotels and restaurants because if you have a person that a business owner can talk to it inspires a lot of trust yeah, yeah. because they believe there's a problem whether it's a quality problem or rate mismatch it can get rectified i want to get more out of you about the in-store hacks that retailers deploy um how important is lighting lighting is important in areas especially when you're selling fresh produce okay fruits and vegetables right. in the meat areas when you're selling fresh food right so lighting become very important lighting is important in apparel area Mm. Fixturing is also very important having the right kind of fixtures to display the product properly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For example, apparel you can display on a table mm. or a rack. Yeah. 
or you can display it you can hang it right so it makes a big difference other thing is you know typically we follow the science of planograms yeah so it's good better best you start with the cheapest then the more expensive and then the most premium right so it's easy for customers to shop uh-huh. then you know when you have your own brand or in a lot of companies call it private label private we label. refer to it as our own brand right we also tell customers a value that they will you know save or value that they will get mm-hmm. by buying own brand versus a na- known national brand mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for example there's a leading national brand in toilet cleaners mm-hmm. mrp is 100 they're selling at 90 we will stack our own brand next to it and say you buy the same product same quality almost same yeah. formula will pay almost half the price so the value is very apparent so how you communicate pricing in the store is very critical critical we find that in a lot of traditional uh, you know retail stores or even in wholesale markets there is no price transparency oh. but in our stores we have very clear price price transparency now the, the other thing that i've i've read is that you know you in a supermarket you put the staples at the end of the yeah, store it's going to come to that right. that's the layout part of the store okay so we find that you know if i'm talking about a kirana customer or i'm talking about you know let's say even hotels and restaurants mm-hmm. so they will anyway come to buy the bulky commodities the big packs we sell a lot of 50 kg 25 kg bags of rice and sugar etc so we will keep them at the end of the store so they have to traverse through the entire store <laughs> to reach that section so the most popular Similarly, items are even detergents like everybody has to buy detergents, detergents. every kirana shop owner yeah, yeah. so keep detergents towards the end right. the other thing that we do is in our layouts we put general merchandise or the non food areas apparel household articles kitchen articles electronics at the beginning so they have to go through that section to reach the fmcg section or the commodity section so typically so they are forced to go through the general merchandise areas so that uh, leads to you know higher sale for general merchandise which is typically a lot more profitable compared to commodities or compared to fmcg and and you know i just want to think a little bit deeper about this and why does this happen so if somebody just walks past mm-hmm. an aisle with goods whether it's a customer like me or a or a trader they are reminded that oh wait i needed this product as well or is it that when you see these products and packaging demand yeah. desire is generated like the other thing is you know people are always looking for good deals uh-huh. so we have these end caps so we have law of science which goes behind what we call end caps so there's an aisle uh-huh. and we put two or three articles on the end cap which are the relevant articles which are the best deals so you showcase the best deals so you start in that aisle yeah so you see the at the in the end caps you see you know great deals Right. And people feel that if these articles, you know, if you have such good deals, the other articles are also also good, so good priced. Right. And we keep on changing that. So it's not like if I'm coming every week, so I will see different articles on the end caps. I will see different articles in the promotional areas. Mm, mm. Right. So we make sure that customers are not seeing the same articles over and over again. Right. right. So we showcase the best deals, the best offers that we have. Yeah. Similarly, we work with suppliers. You know, we also have this uh, plan where we take two hundred articles. and we have a 10 day plan so we have uh, maybe 150 articles for 10 day we get prices which are unbeatable mm-hmm. and then after 10 days you change the articles right so when people see this there's a reason for them to come to the store so mm-hmm. what's the next best deal available in a metro store right. otherwise people tend to just sit on the app and say i'll place an order on the app right. so you have to create reasons for them to come to the store right. the other thing that we have done especially in our context is we have created a kirana success center So this is like uh, you know you can say CI or Fiki equivalent for Kiranas. Mm-hmm. They can come in 
explain or share their problems with what we call customer consultants that we have okay. who will give them free advisory service like a McKinsey or Bain will give to a big company. Wow. So, for example, you know, you have customers who will come and say, the big modern retail store which opened in my backyard. How do I compete? My sales are down by 30%. Wow. What do I do? Wow. So we will say, okay, you know, which categories are you seeing the maximum drop in sales? Okay, which categories do you keep? What are the articles that people are buying from that modern retail store? Yeah. Are you missing some categories? Are you not competitive on some on pricing in some? Yeah. So we will offer them a customized solution. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a free advisory service. And that's one of the reasons why people come to a store. Because they can come and discuss their problems with a Metro employee right. who's an expert in the retail industry. But that effect is very real. If a supermarket opens up uh, in the neighborhood, the Kiranas do lose out on sales. Yeah, They, they do. Right. But we tell them that, for example, you know, if you buy more of own brand, mm -hmm. you can offer again a 50% discount to MRP and you right. tell them. You give a guarantee on quality because it's from the house of Metro. Mm. So you make more profits. The customers get a lower price. The quality is the same as a leading national brand because mm -hmm. most of the FMCG companies are sitting on gross margins of 60-70%. Seriously? Seriously, yeah. So yeah. when you when you buy a soap for, say, 10 rupees, yeah. it costs them 4 rupees to make it. Maybe even less. Wow. Because 10 rupees MRP, then you have to take look at the net realization and then naturalization out of 10 after all the taxes maybe and uh, the margins right. probably is 8 and on 8 the cost may be 30% so it's 2.4 so if you pay MRP of 10 or right. buying at MRP of 10 mm. the real cost is maybe 2.5 then some money is going into taxes GST to yeah. the government yeah. something is uh, margins to the distributor the and the retailer and, yeah and then rest is the profit the company makes, a gross margin. And you're saying, so 2.4 is the cost, including no, everything put together. Like the raw material, the packaging cost, everything, the product cost. And, and even the just the establishment. like No, no know, that will be separate. Okay. You know, those are called what we call selling general and administrative expenses. Okay. Which is a... What about of, marketing? Marketing is part of that. So selling cost. Ah, okay. So if you add all of that, but yeah, that's across so that many millions of operating units. margin, you know, most of the FMCG companies sometimes make profit after tax of 15-20%. Right. So which means, you know, I've worked for companies uh, <laughs> where the gross margins have also been in excess of 70%, 75%. Right. Just so I understand this. So, so let's stick with the, the 10 rupee analogy. So if you, you're saying that the 2.4 might be the price that... Cost. Just the cost of producing it. Yes. And then there is, of course, the amortized operating cost, operating cost which you need to divide yeah. by the million million units and then add. Yeah. So it might be a very small amount yeah. that gets added to that product. There are the you know, head office costs, people that of you course. have, you know, the yeah. salaries that you pay. Right. And marketing, marketing right? Cost. Huge, marketing huge cost, marketing yeah. costs. Yeah. And so all of that gets added... Maybe 50 pesa gets added to every single unit of... So a it varies from product categories. So some categories are inherently more profitable, like, like for example, hair care, oral care. Ah. In food industry, you know, prices are, you know, uh, the costs are higher because it's a more competitive category, like noodle, etc. Mm -hmm. So it varies. You know. So margins are lower in some... Yeah. some and in some, it's pretty high, you know. But on an average, I think most of the FMCG companies make upwards of 50% gross margin. And your business is fundamentally about negotiating hard with these companies, right? And getting the best deal. And I will say possible. it's about, uh, you know, working first with our customers and helping them get the relevant assortment for their catchment, right? Uh, 
mm-hmm. and you know working with suppliers to get them the best prices the mm-hmm. best deals mm-hmm. but a lot of our business uh, more than half is also staples where the market is tri- typically unorganized mm-hmm. so when i say food and grocery 88% is unorganized is for fmcg in the case of commodities like oil sugar ghee aata it's 100% it's probably 95%, 95% because there are very few organized players of dals right, for right. example yeah yeah like very few brands of dals that you will know they vary from uh, region, state to region, state yeah. city to city correct so we mean to make sure that we are offering good quality so we as a german company we are very proud of our quality we are consistently rated as top of the charts in terms of product quality mm-hmm. whether it's staples it's fresh uh, product a destination for meat and seafood and chicken etc spices so our idea is our objective is to make sure we give them everything under one roof at the lowest possible prices yeah but the big part of the the wholesaler's cachet mm. is that you know if you go to a supplier you are a source of a big chunk of business for for that person right if you go to say a, a dal trader you can buy very large chunks from them and therefore he can give you a very good yeah. price but also even for a large fmcg company like unilever right. we can offer a lot of value for them in the horeca in segments that they don't cater to as i said we have trader horeca and seo right for example we have worked very well with unilever unilever food solutions mm-hmm. so restaurants are looking for now because of labor costs having gone up and law of attrition in the industry chefs mm-hmm. keep on changing yeah so they have ready made curries makhani curry yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. korma curry so yeah. sell big curry packs right gravies to the horeca segment and so hul makes those they make under the nor name right nor uh, and and you sell those yeah so we work with each supplier to mm. work out the opportunities which are you know which uh, we can address right. by working with metro because somebody may be strong in the trader segment but may be very weak in the hospitality sector so if you if you go to restaurants that are in the catchment area of a metro store mm-hmm. you might basically be having the same makhani base no even uh, <laughs> we, see in fact that's the way the market has evolved in the european countries I or see. even in us okay for example there are two ways of making a kebab one is to create from scratch right and then you need a lot of expert chefs for that yeah. other is to buy frozen absolutely and thaw them and thaw then eat them and serve it yeah by buying frozen first there are a lot of advantages of buying frozen okay one is if control over product cost yes if you are buying chicken and making chicken prices vary every day yeah right so you have uh, less control over cost sec and you can fix the price for uh, frozen kebabs for 6 mm-hmm. months mm mm-hmm. and we will do a back to back arrangement with supplier mm. so you have control over cost you have mm. control over quality quality yeah right it's not that today this chef is missing and somebody else has come and they do a different recipe altogether Correct. so yeah. you have control over quality mm. third thing is you can offer lot more variety if i buy frozen sea kebabs and i buy frozen chicken tikka i can create lot more variety for my customers in the appetizer menu mm-hmm. versus trying to cook everything from scratch scratch so i offer more variety to my customers mm. i better control on cost i'm better control on quality third is you know my chefs if they leave mm. i can still manage to offer pretty consistent quality right. is the same principle which big qsr chain like mcdonalds and that's KFC, right that's right etc operate on or pizza hut yeah the form the product the pizza tastes the same whether you have it in bangalore or you have it in pune or you yeah. have it in delhi but india is culturally a very fresh like we prefer fresh right we have a distrust for frozen 
uh, food or is that changing very rapidly? It's changing, you know, and right. frozen is actually, you know, if you buy high quality frozen, it's uh, less preservatives. Frozen vegetables are a lot in demand, right? And they're packed You don't have too many preservatives in these things. Okay. French fries, again, you can start offering those things. Yeah. So I will say that frozen has an advantage, especially for the hospitality sector. Mm. And we are telling this to the people. And even for a, for a hotel set mm. customer, you're absolutely right. We, we have this definition of center of plate. Mm. So for a restaurant, what mm. is a center of plate? It's atta, chawal, dal, okay. spices, right? Oil. Right. These are not being made by large FMCG companies. Right. But Nestle has a culinary range, for instance. So if, if a customer is able to come to you for center of plate article, atta, chawal, dal, rice, chicken, mutton, fish, it's easy for me to push these culinary ranges from Unilever or Nestle. So that's where I add value to them because I'm able to complete the assortment. So they come to you for the center of the plate yeah, items. Articles. And then you add and all the, these peripheral articles, right. which also makes their life simple. Mm. For example, we are even telling hotels, large hotels, that why is it that, you know, in the uh, mini bar, which is kept in the room, mm. you need to have only lace packets of chips. Why can't you have healthier snacks? Mm -hmm. People are eating healthy. Yeah. Why can't you keep, you know, roasted snacks? Yeah. And we can make it available to you. So we, and of course, they are also buying bed sheets and towels and bed linen, etc., from us. Oh, yeah, so you become a one-stop shop. I know a lot of customers, for example, in Punjab, mm -hmm. who are coming and buying crockery from Delhi and Mumbai. Right. Now we make all these things available in their local city. Right. And they trust Metro because of quality. They, they are, you know, when they, you buy from Metro, you are assured of quality or assured of price. Mm. And the third thing which you are assured of is that nobody is going to cheat you. Right. Here I will share with you something very interesting. Right. So what happens is if I'm running a restaurant right. and I'm the owner of the restaurant, I cannot do all the buying myself, right? right? I will have some trusted staff. They will go and buy chicken from the market, fish from the market, fruits and vegetables from the market, onion, tomatoes. The prices keep on changing. Mm -hmm. When you go and buy from the wholesale market, the mandis, there is no invoice which you are getting, mm. right? Mm. So the chef or the buying manager may say that I bought tomatoes at 10 rupees a kg. He yeah. may have actually paid nine. How do you verify that? Verify. Second thing is he may say I bought 50 kgs, but actually may have purchased only 45. I'm not going to measure every time something is being received in my restaurant or Correct. hotel. Correct. But when you're buying from Metro and the invoice says nine rupees 50 paisa, then the guy has paid nine fifty. But yeah. how do you solve that problem when your purchase manager buys from the mandi? No, we are not buying from the mandis. We're buying directly from source, oh, from farmers. But I'm saying I'm solving a problem for the for owner the operators of hotels and restaurants. Right. You buy from me, right. I will make sure your purchase manager is not taking money or pilfering money, money from yeah. you. Yeah. So you are getting the right price, right quantity, right. apart from quality and everything else that we talked about. Of course. For hotels and restaurants, that's a that's very a, big that's deal. That's a very important thing because you're, you're buying every single day right. and it, it adds up, you know. How could you be so sure that y your price would be lower? Because we do daily price benchmarking. Oh, really? We have a price benchmarking team. We have about, I will say, anywhere between 200 to 300 articles that we are benchmarking on a daily basis. Uh -huh. Uh, you know the what we call KVIs, like right. sugar price has is benchmarked daily. Oil prices, some of the key cooking oil daily. So even if it means you have to sell at a loss, you will. Yes, I will. I see. I have to and match, that is, or I will go back and renegotiate with my supplier. Right. And saying that okay, this is a price. How come somebody is selling at this price? Right. So you have not given me the best, the best deal. price. Yeah. So please cover up. Yeah. Or if the price sometimes the prices are falling. Yeah. Then I have to take a loss. If prices are going up. 
you make more money. Mm. Like inflationary scenario, you tend to make more money, but in when prices are falling, mm. you bought at a higher price. Now prices have dropped, so you have no choice but to sell or mm. you keep on holding the inventory. Your losses go up, mm. 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 right? So what happens is uh, we do regular price benchmarking for articles on a daily basis, mm-hmm. some on weekly basis, some on monthly basis, and the whole store, mm-hmm. all the, the entire assortment once in six months. So we have a very good grip on pricing. We have defined, and we don't go by hearsay. We collect bills from the market. Mm-hmm. It could be the buying price for a small shopkeeper, or it could be the selling price from a wholesaler or a distributor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because either it's a selling price from a competitor or buying price of a customer right. so we get that data we feed that data into our system and we have you know rules and algorithms for matching the pricing and the formula that on this in this category will be 2% lower in this category will be 1% lower so the formula is automatically applied and the people who are running the pricing department or organization are independent from the buyers so there is no uh, you know conflict of interest their job is to look at the price table in the market dispassionately and correct the prices. It doesn't matter whether I make money or loss. Right. You have to offer the best price. Right. Right. Similarly, there is a sales team. You know, we have feet on the street. Mm. They will always ask for lower prices, but we ask them to back it up with invoices. Mm. So we feed the invoices. This is shared with the pricing team, and we change prices regularly. You know, every day we upload a lot of prices in every store. And KVIs in Amritsar store could be different from in Jalandhar mm, mm. because the food habits are different, uh, the customer profiles are different. What in Bangalore in one store, Yashwantpur could be different from, you know, the other store which is uh, in a different part of the city like Whitefield or Mysore Road. Mm-hmm. So we have different KVIs. We regularly benchmark what we know are the top articles right. because there are certain articles which drive value perception from you as far as your customers are concerned okay sugar is one of them so you could theoretically speaking be selling sugar at a loss Mm -hmm. because if the footfall is driven as a consequence of having the cheapest and good quality sugar all the time then that person will come in and they will buy other stuff and even if you sell sugar at a loss you will make it up it may happen that i might sell sugar at a loss for a day or two but okay. then if I regularly then i'll question the buyer and say are you doing a good job right. good enough job right are you buying the lowest you know are you buying at the lowest cost or not right. we will buy directly we buy a lot of stuff directly from millers mm-hmm. we're not buying from intermediaries for mm-hmm. example we also have collection centers mm-hmm. for fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. so in states and cities where we have scale right. we buy directly from farmers I the advantage see. for farmers is, uh, you know, whatever they produce, we'll buy. We'll buy so yeah. they don't have to worry about sale. Yeah. We give them the best price, which is prevailing in the market. Right. And we are also getting very good quality, yeah. freshly yeah. plucked from the farms. Right. Similarly, when it comes to mutton, you know, we are, most of the goats are coming from Rajasthan. So we will, you know, make sure that we work with suppliers to get them slaughtered in government-approved slaughterhouses, okay. most hygienic conditions. Mm-hmm. But we will do work with them regarding sourcing of goats. Mm-hmm. For seafood, we are getting it from both the coast. Plus, there are a lot of aquatic farms in, mm-hmm. you know, Andhra and uh, Telangana region, mostly in Andhra. Mm-hmm. So we are making sure that we are buying the best quality at the lowest price, and we have now built enough scale to be able to say confidently that trust us on pricing. So this business needs a lot of local know-how. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Where where to get there? Because it's it's hard to imagine that uh, you know when you say we have the best quality meat. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, that's a claim that needs to be contested because everybody else also is trying to buy, like there are only so many butchers. And so it's interesting to know that you do it in different ways to 
you know make in sure fact i will tell you an interesting story it's actually true that a lot of these uh, startups yeah you know there are a lot of e-commerce companies you now they they were promising you know that okay we will give this to you and we will give this to you but they did not invest in the back end so mm-hmm. many of them were customers of metro okay. even big basket you know okay. initially they would uh, buy everything from metro <laughs> before they build their own supply chain <laughs> really you know, every lot of companies have done that right because they believe that we have the best prices we have the best deal we have the you know back end supply chain in place right but of course you know we have also seen a tendency among some of these companies that while they are also customers they also become competitors because they buy from us at 100 and sell to our customers at 90 <laughs> so in that case you know we'll block their card and say you can no longer buy from us oh, really yeah but how do you know they're selling to your customers customers will tell us tell you so as i said we have feet on the street so right. we have a large team for kiranas we have a large team for hotel restaurants caterers and we have a team for office and institutional customers so if a, if an intermediary buys from you and sells it to your customer yeah. then you block them out no if they're selling below cost ah. if he's buying from me at 100 and right. selling to my customers at 90 right. it's an unfair trade practice Correct. so we will stop that sale right. we don't want that sale right so have you had to block a lot of people we have uh, on and off you come across these cases it mm. could be in the hotel industry or you know in the hospitality segment it could be even in the wholesale segment so there are wholesalers who come and buy from us right. the largest wholesalers in the country they find that we have exceptionally good price on certain article they'll buy so we try to also limit quantities mm. Mm. in some categories which are you know where pricing is uh, you know very key and there are supply constraints we have reverse ladder on pricing mm-hmm. so i told you earlier the example of one article 92 six units 85 and maybe 12 at 80 mm-hmm. in some categories where we believe that availability is key we have reverse uh, laddering so you buy one at 90 six at 85 but if you buy 12 and try to clean me out you will have to actually pay maybe 92 <laughs> we don't want you to do uh, do disruption of pricing in the market uh, uh, very interesting uh, so you have to you know take into account the dynamics of the market so you have to do some checks and balances to make sure that this buyer is a legitimate use case yeah. and they are not buying to and they are not disrupting the pricing table in the market in the market that's why you know our suppliers prefer to partner with metro because we don't disturb the pricing equilibrium in the market you portray a picture of of things that are going well for your company especially for metro retail industry as a whole in india like you know things are growing of course but if you look at you know lot of large um, global retailers who had come to india have sort of exited carrefour exited mm. uh, walmart has exited its uh, cash and carry business um, and so on why is that and now metro is exiting why is that i will say that you know something to do also with the regulatory environment mm-hmm. okay the regulatory uh, environment is not very favorable sometimes for the foreign players okay the policies are uh, not very clearly defined mm-hmm. okay second thing is many of them come with expat leadership who don't really who do not really the understand the indian market because if you think that you can cut and paste the european template or exactly. american template it's not going to not work going to work for example you know having worked in the us market with walmart i can tell you that Uh, everything is packed or packaged even fish meat etc mm. but in india customers have a habit of you know they look at the fish they want cuts 
or yeah. they want chicken you know to be cut as per their requirements right, right? or somebody wants to buy only chicken legs somebody yeah. wants to buy only boneless yeah so so they have the specific requirements yeah. that's one secondly in india customers like to touch and feel the product especially right. in ultra fresh right so people want to touch and feel produce they want to you know poke the eye of the fish to mm. see if it's really <laughs> fresh or not yeah so you have to make sure that uh, you you do that you enable that for your customers right third thing is india is probably the, i think the biggest challenge has been the mrp regime mm-hmm. okay so india maybe apart from pakistan unfortunately is the only country where there is an mrp regime really it was set up in the past to prevent profiteering, profiteering yeah by the retailers but right. the market has evolved since then huh. so what happens is it is putting a lot of constraint on the profitability of retailers mm-hmm. and i want to share with you something very interesting mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. so now mrp is decided by whom mrp is decided by the manufacturers correct the fmcg companies since correct. we are talking food and grocery yeah they decide the traditional retail margins so distributor is 5% or 4% retailer will make 10 12 so they have said okay you manage with total 16 17% mm-hmm. 12 and 5 let's say 15 to 17% margin mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and then mrp is also set by them now the costs of doing business have gone up the people costs have gone up utility costs have gone up real estate costs have gone up right compared to 20 years ago the margins have not changed So right now the balance of power is with the FMCG companies. Mm. Right? Most of the retailers or wholesalers since a lot of their sales are FMCG, it puts a big dent on profitability. But so, how would you do it differently if a, if a Colgate toothpaste let's say costs 10 rupees hypothetically, yeah. you would get the margin of 2 rupees anyway. You go to US. Mhm. you buy a bottle of water let's say this bottle of water right you go to a gas station convenience store in a gas station it may be $5 walmart it may be $2 uh, okay so there is no mrp there right people will you know if if they think that you know they are value conscious they will buy from walmart right if they want convenience they'll buy from a gas station or convenience store in a gas station but even in india if you go to a movie hall the coca cola that you buy outside or if you go to an airport they're all selling for prices higher than them are but no no they have a different pack for these uh, they have ah. different institutional pack since i worked with yum i know that you know pepsi has different institutional packs right but they also have mrp other so thing is when you are basically opening the bottle and serving it you can price it at whatever price you want you know there has been right. legal debates on this ah. but if you are talking about packaged grocery packaged fmcg products so there's an mrp pack so it might be the same volume so the, of the same product you have a 15 20% margin right. for retailers right in the other countries it could be anywhere from 20 to 50% okay other thing is market as i said is highly fragmented traditional trade is still lion's share of the market 87 88% mm. Mm. i feel that you know india is going through a stage where there is going to be consolidation mm-hmm. the balance of power you know there has to be an equilibrium the balance of power is with fmcg companies okay. i'm just trying to think through what you said prices are printed on the packaging no not in the us not in europe no on no product is it is it printed no really yes so the retailer can determine whatever yeah. you have a barcode you know obviously you swipe it and the price comes in i see india and pakistan because you know government felt that you know you should put a maximum price otherwise they'll be super profiteering by the What about the rest of South Asia, Sri Lanka, Nepal, and all the? I I personally think, at least in Southeast Asia, there is no. I've lived in Bangkok and Singapore. There uh-huh. is no concept of MRP. 
It's and, not on the pack. And in the West, I mean, in Europe or North America, either you may put something on, you know, a T-shirt, suggested price. Suggested uh, price. Uh, it's uh, not the maximum retail price. Right. 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 Well, that's very interesting. Okay. So there is inherently a profit squeeze. It puts a profit squeeze for the retailers mm-hmm. because. Mm-hmm. FMCG companies make 60% gross margin, 70%. Retailers make 10%. Wholesalers make 5-6%. So the balance of power is towards manufacturers. I think with scale and consolidation and modernization of the Indian market and uh, moving from unorganized to organized, the balance of power is going to shift. So, you know, interesting analogy is the U.S. market, which is another market I'm quite familiar with. Mm -hmm. In the 80s or up to the 80s, it was the era of the manufacturers. Mm-hmm. They would decide, you know, how much they would, what is the margin they will give to the big retailers. Then you saw the, you know, retailers, modern retail becoming big, the Walmarts, the Targets, the Costco's of the world in mm-hmm. the 80s and 90s and mm-hmm. till the early part of 21st century. And, you know, right now, Walmart probably could be 20, 25% sales of the large FMCG companies. Wow. That's a lot of pricing power. So right? that gives you pricing power and the balance of power shifts. Yeah. yeah. Now we have the era of the customer. The customers decide which, where do they shop, online, offline, Mm. which part of the day, you know, midnight, sitting in their bed or lying in their bed, or they go to a physical store, et cetera, Mm. or sitting in their office, they can place an order. Mm. So Mm. balance of power is now shifting towards the customer, consumer, which Mm. is the way it should be. So India is basically seeing an intersection of all these three, but the fundamental thing is that balance of power, by and large, in food and grocery is still with the manufacturers. Mm. In the case of apparel, in the case of electronics, probably you have seen a shift in balance of power from manufacturers towards the retailers, the e-commerce players. Right. So they're being able to squeeze out some more margin from the manufacturers, right? Right. right. We still haven't seen that in food and grocery, which right. is a lion's share of the overall retail market. Right. And that is critical to the profitability of the retail sector. Mm. So the inherent gross margin in India tend to be very low compared to a US or a European market. So in India, the gross margins, you know, if even if you look at a company like DMART, food grocery, they make 12 to 15% gross margin. Mm. In the US market, the gross margins will be in the range of 25 to 30%. Wow. So it puts a pressure on, and then real estate costs in India is, you know, insanely high. But there is no MRP on, um, on most... Uh Food and grocery products, right? Like dal, chawal. If you're selling fish. branded, yes. If it is loose, no. No. Right. So typically in your stores, uh, 50% of your sale are from unbranded foods? Not unbranded. Most of it is branded. FMCG is about 50% and about 30 odd percent is commodities. Then we sell non-food. We sell fresh. Frozen is part of that. So it's a mix, you know, it varies from geography to geography. So commodities is all unbranded, isn't it? No, no, no. In commodities also, you know, you have branded sugar, Sugar. there's branded oil, oil is all branded. Oil you don't sell unbranded, most of the oil brands, you know, there are regional brands and there are spices again, there are what we call local, regional and national brands. Nice. So you don't have too much of national brands in commodities, commodities, but you have a lot of Local and regional strong, brands. Strong regional brands. Like in spices also, you know, there are yeah. spices brands which are regional in nature. Correct. Sometimes are local in nature. Yeah. yeah. But they're not national brands. National brands are MDH and maybe Everest or a few other brands. Yeah. Atta is Ashirwad Atta, but you have Shakti Bog Atta, for example, which is very strong in north. Right. Right. Radhani, Basin, some pockets, but it could be a different brand in south. Right. Even the varieties of rice being consumed are different. So, Basmati rice, there are national players. Correct. But, you know, 
people in south don't consume basmati that's right so they have selai and so many other sona masuri different yes. types of rice yes. varieties right? right varieties so that's why i'm saying that the balance of power has to be more equitable hmm. for the retailers to survive and one way that can happen is through consolidation but how do you prevent uh, if there is no mrp regime mm-hmm. you're saying the market will take care of the price is it yeah mm-hmm. then it's a demand and supply situation situation mm-hmm. because right now you know everybody knows this is a mrp you can't charge more than mrp right so it puts a pressure unless you know the trader margins the retailer margins go up which can only happen if either mrp is raised or the suppliers are willing to forego some of their gross margins for and pass it on to the retailers i wonder is this why um you know this phenomena of everything be- becoming thinner right all your biscuits are yeah, yeah because th- th- see this is because there are certain magical price points we call them low unit packs i see so india has these 1 rupee and 2 rupees and 5 and 10 are magical price points ah. so what people have done is you know you hold on to that price point Right. reduce the quantity yeah optimize packaging. packaging but now i think we have reached a stage where the <laughs> breaking point packaging and the quantities have been optimized you buy a parleji yeah. packet of biscuits you probably have four or five biscuits in correct. that correct so uh, but i have seen that companies now have raised prices even in noodles category which like five became seven and so on so they are now going for these uh what we call not so convenient price points because if the market shifts towards modern retail and e-commerce yeah you're not buying a single article correct, for 5 correct correct then you're buying you know a few 400 500 rupees or total order value it doesn't right. matter what the mrp then that's, that's right that's right you people will pay 7 rupees you know you sell at 630 on uh, e-commerce platform yeah yeah now uh, in retail stores like this pricing of 0.99 you know mm. most famously butter pricing butter, the, is it actually called butter pricing <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they were real pioneers of it is it yes okay is it still effective does it work i think people are right now looking at it does work psychologically psychologically yeah but people are looking at you know they look at value in terms of what's the mrp and what's the price i'm getting at this retailer or this particular mm. e-commerce platform so the delta, delta. is very 25% off 30% off 200 rupees off yeah. so you see a lot of retailers now in you know modern retail in yeah. both food and grocery as well as general merchandise mm-hmm. they advertise you know 25% off 50% off minimum 8% off you know mm-hmm. on mrp mm-hmm. so because that's a big draw for customers right do you think india will ever see a scenario like you know we see in western cities where every around every corner there is a 711 or you know like this ubiquitous smaller format stores but they are everywhere i think for a modern player to do that is difficult mm-hmm. because you cannot beat the kiranas in their game of the right local assortment right. low cost of operations mm-hmm. you know i will say that kiranas you know uh, as a company let's say walmart mm-hmm. the formula is everyday low price and everyday low cost mm-hmm. right the the whole philosophy is you you buy for less you operate for less and you sell for less and it's a virtuous cycle exactly. right but in terms of operating costs nobody can beat the kiranas the premises from where they operate are either owned by them, owned by them or yeah. it's a old rental they hardly pay any rental right they don't switch on electricity during the daytime <laughs> maybe they have a fan during summer they don't have air conditioning in the right. stores right. they don't right. put on lights switch on yeah. lights yeah they employ family members, members to run the shop yeah it's true even for you know apparel stores maybe you could a bigger store will have more organized help right right 
so they are masters and phd's in terms of running low, low cost, cost operations right so i don't see them getting displaced so easily mm. plus they are you know born entrepreneurs mm. they have that connect with their customers right they know what they want to buy what they are buying regularly they have that relationship going they are you know very good in last mile delivery you know they deliver quickly the costs are under control mm. because if you are looking at big fulfillment centers on the outskirts and then small hub and spoke models and from there delivery the cost will kill you mm. even in food i'm saying prepared food business like the business in which you have zomato and swiggy yeah. you're still making losses correct though the margins are much better there correct Correct. right Correct. a pizza will cost you 400 you can put four pizzas or five pizzas and the minimum order value will be or the the value of the orders could be 2000 rupees sure but in 2000 rupees somebody is ordering 20 you know 20 kgs bag of ashirwad atta yeah. yeah. is basically and take only one bag of atta or two bags of atta yeah. yeah and then if your margin is 5% or 8% the economics for delivery will not work right so therefore the kiranas have a role to play Right. they are already sitting in close proximity to those households so i think it's it's difficult to uh, eliminate them mm. it's difficult to displace them mm. so whichever model one looks at you have to work in conjunction with them mm. and leverage their strengths mm. what are the policies that you would say needs to change for india's retail sector to thrive i think first of all i will say there are three four things which are very critical mm. one is you know we need a national retail policy mm. there's no such policy in place it has been in draft mode for quite some time you know there have been several discussions with ministry of commerce dpit etc but it has not finally been formulated and implemented the government saying okay yes this is a national retail policy second thing is you know we need to simplify the whole process of approvals right now you need if you want to open a store with all the proper approvals it you need to you know run pillar to post and you need 35 40 licenses wow to open so, a kirana store not kirana but yeah but there are even kirana store will need minimum 8 10 licenses but a modern retail store modern retail is 35 40 licenses wow even if it's a small supermarket it, even it's a small supermarket wow so it has to be single window clearance some right. states have done it most of the states haven't done it mm. right so it you know you need a single window clearance for uh, retailers Five different licenses to open yes, a store. Yes, absolutely. You know, there's a even if you want to play music in a store, you need license for that. You know. Okay, what? Tell me, what? What are the other licenses you need? The fire safety license, right. the insecticide license. If you're selling, you know, even OTC, there's a prescribed uh, license for pharmacy. There is a license, weights and measures license. Uh-huh. If you're, you know, weighing and packaging license, repackaging license. If you're doing some repacking in the store. goodness you know there are a lot of labor uh, requirements. requirements there are uh, you know if you're building a store from scratch then you need lot of approvals That's right right municipal license so drug liquor license again very hard to get and if you're selling fresh food i'm sure there are a bunch of other licenses yeah you know hygiene safety Correct. inspection fsi you know there are a lot of requirements to be right. complied with we need a single window clearance for right. retailers mm-hmm. right the ease of doing business has to say seriously improve mm-hmm. in fact one of the reasons why many multinationals have also exited is because of ease of doing business it's sometimes impossible to get licenses within the required time frame mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. sometimes you know we even we have had stores which have building has been completed but licenses have not come so you have to abandon those buildings and walk away which is a big loss for you you cannot so there has to be some predictability around how much time it takes to open a store So typically you know if you're putting up big boxes big box stores 
the land parcels which are commercially you know usable they're not available or if they're available they are available at prohibitively expensive prices mm. right so i will say even the real estate uh, has to get um, you know more regulated easier to get conversion from agricultural to commercial land or industrial to commercial land sometimes it can take 6 months sometimes it can take 6 years sometimes it will never happen right you mean to to build zoning. a store yeah zoning you know right. zoning has to be complete zoning has to be more end retailer friendly yeah. so to say yeah. but that's relevant more for large format stores large like formats, yours right yeah. yeah okay okay i think uh, then there has to be a clear label there is a labor policy but minimum wages vary across states Mm. and the governments during elections keep on raising the minimum wages while it's good mm. but it does put up pressure on the pnl i have already talked about the margin squeeze yeah because of the dynamic of indian markets because of mrp mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. other costs are all going up mm. utility cost labor costs real estate costs so mm. it puts a pressure on the profitability mm. that's why you see very few retailers are inherently profitable Yeah, you're right. Because your yeah. margins are, you know, if in food and grocery if you're making anywhere between 12 to 15, 16%. Yeah. And then your people cost, electricity cost, real real estate rentals have been going right, up. Right. How do you make money? So no matter how much volumes you sell. Correct. Yeah. You know, the unit economics have to work out. Right. Right. As I said in the US, you know, even a very low cost retailer like Walmart makes 25-30% gross margins mm-hmm. in food and overall. Mm-hmm. so the banks are very stringent when it comes to lending to these small guys yeah. but they are able they offer big loans to the large corporates the large, who are defaulters absolutely absolutely so why can't we have easier access to credit for these yeah. small shopkeepers who want to expand their business mm. right who want to modernize their business there should be some in, incentive for digitalization of these stores right to help them adopt digital technology Right. right if government is saying that they have to be gst compliant which is a great thing yeah. but can you help them with using digital as a post and for that you need a point of sale device you need a computer etc can you in- give them some incentives for that so while we have lot of incentives for the agricultural sector mm. why are there no incentives for the small retailers which is also a huge uh, employer right the second Everybody. biggest source of employment after agriculture after agriculture so mrp is something that the government should look at frankly right. in liquor they have removed this so in liquor there's no concept of MRP maximum anymore. retail price is actually minimum price and then they sell above that I see. So price control, you know, or MRP on the pack. I don't know. Maybe it was done in the 1970s. Yeah. yeah. When uh, it was a different era. Now we are living Correct. in 2022. Correct. So there's a need to revisit some of these uh, requirements. Right. And second thing is, you know, give access to capital so that they, you know, why does it have to be a fancy startup mm. which should get, uh, you know, the attention of the government? Correct. Why can't it be a small Kirana shopkeeper? or a small bakery or a small restaurant or why can't they get access to capital it's not so easy it's easier said than done yeah, yeah. and then incentive for digitalization for these people mm. because i can tell you that many of them now when gst was implemented there was a lot of fear among these shopkeepers that you know it will be rolled back it you know it will lead to harassment at the hands of the tax authorities but now most of them feel that is better to declare their actual sales transparently mm. pay the taxes and have a proper peaceful sleep at night right right so they're open to paying taxes right but there should also be some incentive to drive digitalization so that even the invoices which which are generated by kirana store owner are like proper gst compliant invoices billing right. which you see in a big modern retail store right. a lot of them still have this right. kacha bills right so right. that system also has to evolve and 
government should incentivize them give them loans right and i can tell you that we have as i was telling you we offer credit to these customers uh-huh. and the delinquency rates are negligible i see the reason is that for a kirana shop owner that store is only source of source livelihood of, mm. and for them their face in the community is important, important. so they will not default they and will, an they important have no other source of livelihood they cannot an, run away yeah. they cannot shut their shop and move to another location Correct. unlike some of the big you know business uh, who can who, who can leave the country yeah, altogether try yeah. <laughs> try right, right. arvind this been a real pleasure your uh, passion for retail and your understanding of the industry really shown through in this conversation thank you so much and all the best with everything that's going on with your company thanks thanks escape it was a pleasure interacting with you and thanks for inviting me for this discussion thank, thank you, you so much thank you that's it from me for this episode you've been listening to the sketch This episode was edited by Rajesh Jos. Mok Sharma is the producer of this show and Sanju V Abraham is our sound engineer. You can email us with your thoughts on the sketch at livemint.com. For more updates on this podcast, follow HT Smartcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and LinkedIn. To listen to more such mint podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com. Goodbye and thanks for listening. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.